0: So we, uh, we're we on a new sermon series tonight called uh, We Are Family. Anybody want to take a little risk and sing it? We are family, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got all my... Okay. Yeah, we need a little more soul in the room, I think. So maybe next week. Uh, but yes, we are family. So we're going to just go kind of journey. And, you know, we talk about family a lot and healthy family. And so what is that? What what makes up that? And um, just really trusting that the Lord's going to give us words to speak, and Pastor Robin will be preaching some in this, kind of her, her ministry here within this. So that's going to be awesome. Uh, but before I get into the message tonight, actually, um, I want to just have a little bit of a, just kind of a, put some shape and some language to some things that are happening and we've been perceiving as leadership for the last few months, and kind of felt like tonight was the night to speak to it. Um, but basically, we, we kind of feel like the Lord's like creating two things at once right now. Uh, there's like a there's a church He's forming here, and there's also a movement. And I just kind of want to define it, but essentially there's there's kind of two groups of people that are coming on a consistent basis uh, to this to Riverhouse. And uh, first are people that are feeling like called like this is this is home, this is my family. I know that I' found like this is my tribe, this is my home church. Um, And then we also, from literally from day one of this ministry, we've had other people say this, I feel called here, and I know I'm supposed to be here, but this is not my home church. Um, I have another place that is my home church, and I come here and worship on Sundays. And we love this. Like, this is exciting to us, and I really wanted to, from here, speak blessing to that and permission to that, that we do feel like... um, yeah, there's a church and a home church that he's establishing, but there's also a movement. And there seems to be a trend where it's it's a church that equips and touches churches, is what he's creating here. And uh, I, I wanted to, to speak specifically to the people that you're saying, like, okay, this is not my home church, but I do feel called here. Because I think there's people that are called to cultivate and really sow the seeds and plant the garden and tend to it that are actually creating what's happening here. And then there's people that God's calling here that are receiving from it themselves. Uh, and then taking it and kind of putting it other places. And so uh, we're just trying to put language to what we're perceiving here. So bear with me. Um, but I wanted to put give permission to people that you say, this is not my home church, but I'm here all the time. And we love that you're here all the time. But I want to say you're never going to be pressured to feel like you need to, like like, we're trying to steal you. Like this, you need to make sure that this is yours. Um, I would really want to speak the opposite of that. Is you have so much freedom and we're honored and blessed that you're here. Um, and if this is a place where God is ministering to you, then please come and receive and be ministered to and don't feel um, like there's some type of you need to stay or you're, um, you know, being unfaithful or something like that. Um, and then specifically, even with uh, tithes and offerings, um, you know, tithe, I believe the Lord leads us where to put our tithes, but I believe the principle revealed in the scriptures you tithe. At your home church. And so, even that, like, just know we bless you. So, into your home church. Be at your home church. Love your home church. Um, and if this is a place that God's calling you to come and receive and there's anointing that He wants to bring to you in a season or maybe a long season or maybe forever, I don't know, um, do it. We're just trying to steward the ship and what He's doing. Um, does that make sense? Does yeah. it resonate? Um, the only yoke uh, I do put on you if you say this isn't your home church is this uh, we're passionate about doing the gospel in community so if you're coming here that's the only thing that i will hold you to even if you say it's not my home church is go do it do it where you're called do it with your home body do it in the community the places that god's calling you to do the gospel looks like something it looks like love so do it in community amen, amen. so uh, i i think that's that kind of in the future how we foresee um a prayer request for all of you is um we're getting to the point where we just feel like the lord is putting it on our hearts that so it's time to begin looking Um, for a new location to worship. And uh, so just be praying for that. We're going to need the Lord to do a miracle um, and provide for us the place that he has, a dwelling place. We don't know if it's a long-term solution, a short-term solution, but we're just feeling prompted by the Lord um, that we need a place, probably more of a full-time, to be able to worship. Um, And I think what I would foresee happening is that Sunday mornings will be kind of the church, the house, and Sunday evenings will always continue to be like the river, the movement, and it's kind of, you know, so it will kind of be differentiate as time goes on, but that's kind of what we're seeing, and because, and it's, we're still speaking down the road a bit, but I'm just giving you preemptive prayer strikes, so be preemptively praying into the miracle that we will desperately need. Um, what else did I want to say? Okay, as far as community development, again, this is not the sermon, but we're passionate about community, passionate about putting people into healthy communities, families, where they're living the gospel out and doing it. And, you know, we we have um, revival groups which work for a lot of people, but a lot of people that doesn't work for, for time, commitment, or whatever it looks like. Um, but I, I just kind of wanted to s- kind of speak to the whole philosophy of how we're developing communities here. Um, I'm, we're trying to... Create this whole church and lead this church on the living edge That sounds cool. What does it actually mean? The living edge is like this place and it's a it's a place that I think you can only find through a lot of prayer But it's if you go one step too far You're in chaos And if you go one step back, it's too structured And so it's a tension of this place where um God is able to create spirit, breathe authentic, authentic, organic community, uh, where that is centered around mission in our city. Does that make sense? Um, there's kind of um, two churches. I, I've experienced churches that can fall into one of these two things, where they're they're creating ministry dependent upon God, or it can be a, a codependent relationship, um, a paradigm, and. Uh, when you're depending upon God, you're you're kind of you're 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 looking for this space and this freedom where the Lord has like capacity to create through His unction, through Him speaking. Through you know, what I'm talking about like we've heard three the last three weeks of God creating missions in our city: the Safe House, the Hol Singers with the Transformation Center, um, Gates of Hope. Like there's there's other ones that He's stirring within this, and so it's this tension of how do we create space for what God is speaking to you. To have room to develop and cultivate and grow. Um, and at the same time, how do we structure? Kind of like, you know, if a river doesn't have banks, it just kind of floods. So it's kind of like this both and. Um, but dependent, we're dependent upon God um, for spirit-breathe missional communities, for Him to breathe and release unction upon these missions that He's passionate about fulfilling, and then trusting that He's going to raise up leaders and supporters and people that are going to actually birth things and create it. Does that make sense? So we want to be a church. That is looks like something in the city and that we can't, I can't do it. It's very vulnerable as a leader because I can create a cool program for you and say, come. But I can't create spirit-breathed, God-ordained ministry in our city. Only you can with the Holy Spirit, right? Um, a codependent paradigm looks like this. Uh, people need the pastors to spoon-veed program programmed discipleship. And pastors need the people to come. <laughs> does, that, does, that, does that make sense to you? So like um, an example of this, and it's, there's nothing wrong with small groups, but I'm sure we've all experienced where it's like, we do discipleship like this, come to small groups, right? And like, it works for like a percentage of people. But if you look at the stats nationwide, like if a church has like 35% of people doing those small groups, that's like phenomenal. That's a phenomenal percentage where we kind of want everyone to be discipled, right? But the problem is, you can't program discipleship because discipleship looks different person to person to person. All right? So here, Um, I think like revival groups are awesome and we're going to birth these things and actually the one we have is too big. (laughs) Anybody that's been there, you know, we don't have room like literally for another human being to squeeze into the door of the spaces like we were in the laundry room last week. Um, So like these are growing and these are beautiful and these are dynamic and really these are designed with a structure and attention to even be dependent upon God. That's the hope with them. But even still, for some of you, your missional community, your revival group, it's going to look different. It's going to look like Gates of Hope with the refugees. It's going to look like a safe house. It's going to look like blank. It's going to look like a business. Does that make sense? Like there's room and flexibility. So I say all this to say is we need to be praying for Pastor Robin because this is her passion and her mission in this community is to connect all of you to the vision that God has for you to fulfill. Um, She's a connector. She Carrie's family, she just knows how to put people in the right place. But we need to be praying that the Lord will speak and guide her and guide us to all get into this right place so that the body's working effectively. We're all fulfilling our role. We're all speaking the truth and love. Our message is being lived out and the church is growing because of it. And not just Sunday worship. The church is growing because of it, which looks like you thriving and being used by God to transform city. Amen? That makes sense? I'm not going to ask you to have any questions because there's too many people in here, but you can ask me after service. Sound good? Um, Okay. Ready for the message? All right. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to talk tonight about uh, brave communication who just got nervous <laughs> who wants to leave just joking we locked the doors <laughs> all right if you're in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 actually let's start at verse 14 it says as a result we're no longer to be children tossed here and there there By waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, According to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Speaking the truth in love, there's something about speaking and maturing that go hand in hand. We all have a message, we all have a mouth, and we all have the ability to express ourselves. And when we communicate and speak, we're making the internal reality of what's inside of us, which who lives inside of us? Jesus. When we speak, we are actually bringing what is inside of us outside of us. And so life in it is really built around communication. Relationships are built upon communication. And we are called as the body of Christ to speak the truth in love. The word vocation, uh, is the root word of it is vox. It's a Latin term, and it literally means to speak. The word calling is again, something about a message, speak. Uh, So we all have a vocation, that's a buzzword in Christianity. We all have this reason for our existence and it's a message we have to speak. And there's something about when we speak, when we're using our mouths and the message of our lives is being spoken, it causes the church to actually grow up into the fullness of Christ, and so a bride that speaks is a bride that matures and changes the world. Right? We have to be a people who know how to speak. Um, this this can look like this. Doesn't necessarily mean speaking in front of people. Um, we speak right through actions. We speak through what we create. We speak through what we the way we love, the way we serve. We like everything we do carries a message. Right? We're always speaking, um, whether or not. Uh, we're intentional about what we're speaking is is up to us. You know, but the truth at the core of who we are is that we are all a message from God sent from heaven to be lived out on earth to bring his kingdom. Right? We are a message sent from God that's why you were born. It's because you are a message sent here from God. We talked about this last week. You're a living epistle. When God speaks, his words become worlds, right? Let there be light, boom, right? Let there be ocean, let there be land, let there be, he speaks, his words become worlds. And so with you being a message from God sent from heaven to this life, the most powerful thing you could ever do is be yourself. That's a good word, thank you the most powerful thing you could ever be is be yourself. We've got to learn to speak our message. So how do I discover my message? How do I find out this vocation thing? It starts in prayer, right? In the last five weeks, you can go listen to them on the podcast if you weren't here, but it starts with prayer. It starts with conceiving something from the voice of God, right? And we've Most of us in this room could say, I've had an experience where I feel like God has spoken to me and it resonated and it something inside me confirmed that that was true, right? And we can develop this intimacy with the Lord and we can develop this inspiration and we learn how to pray and we, you know, we'll have these promises and maybe someone gave you a prophetic word and, you know, you, you hold these things like they're treasures. Like this is true. This is my message, right? It starts in prayer, but it doesn't end in prayer the discovery of your message there's a test that every Christian has to live and it's the test of incarnation love has to look like something your message has to look like something with flesh and blood that's like God he wasn't content just being in heaven and telling us about himself in a book he came and he put skin on and the word became flesh and dwelt among him, right? He wasn't just content saying, I love you. He actually came and showed, this is what love looks like. I'll bleed on a cross so that I can have you as my own, right? And we all, in the same way, have to, we have to pass this test of incarnation. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to First John chapter 4. And there's a verse that I think should be real sobering for us. It's First uh, John chapter 4, verse 20. And it says this, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one that does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. Right? There's something about incarnation that's really important. Right? And we can develop. I've I've seen it. I'm sure you've seen it. Where you've met someone that they're like, I have, I love God. I love God. Me and Jesus are so close, right? Like, I have the most intimate, amazing times. But then you're, like, around them, and you you feel judged, right? Or you're like, you weird me out. Or you're like, I don't really feel love from you. I don't. In fact, I don't even like being around you, right? And you're like, where's the translation here? How can someone say they have such a great relationship with God, but they don't get along with people very well? Are you following me? and 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 John is really a master at like poetic language here, so he's like, he's a liar, da 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 da. I don't probably read that quite so black and right, but it's more like John's trying to make a point here. If your spirituality and your amazing prayer life doesn't translate to love, there's something wrong. you're You're being deceived somehow, and you haven't passed the test of incarnation. your your spirituality, isn't real yet. It's not grounded. It doesn't have flesh. The word's not flesh in you yet. We can have amazing prophetic promises, but if it doesn't look like love, there's something missing. You following me? Until it it has to to be real, has to be grounded in humanity with people who we're living with all the time. And this is just part of the wisdom of God. It starts in prayer, but then it is cultivated and and it's revealed through relationship. All right, our message starts. The inspiration for it comes in prayer, but it's revealed in relationship. Why is it revealed? What's covering it? You know where I'm going. Sin, I'll say the word, the S word. People don't like to say anymore. It's sin, it's selfishness, it's brokenness. We have this pure place with the Lord, right? And then sometimes it doesn't translate to people it's not because your heart's not pure. It's not because you don't love God. It's not that it's not real. It's that there is brokenness and wounds and junk and garbage and shame and blindness and lies that kind of cover things up and it blocks. It's like, a, it's like you get a prism in front of the light and all of a sudden it's like scattered in a million different ways. And it's like, what's going on here? I know you love God, but I right? So the process, why God puts us in community, why he puts us in relationships, why we need family, is because we need each other to sharpen each other, to make us holy, to reveal who we are, to reveal this message, right? This isn't some type of condemnation thing. It's actually really exciting. God's put the people in your life because you need them for his message to be revealed through you, right? Healthy relationships on this earth are God's gift. They're the only place where true healing can happen because they will expose our brokenness and they also contain the forgiveness and the grace and the healing power of God that will reveal who you truly are. Right? Amen. I'm just getting touched. It's conceived in prayer. It's revealed in relationship. So this is why we need healthy family. This is why we need healthy relationships. So what are healthy relationships? I'm not an expert, but I'll tell you what I do know. They're built on intimacy, heart-to-heart connection. What does intimacy mean? Into me you see. And how do you see into me unless I use my mouth and tell you what is inside me? Unless I use these gifts of emotion, these gifts of empathy, these gifts of language to express to you what is inside me. Right? And we're not just called to speak. I read it in Ephesians 4.15. We're called to speak the truth in love. And I believe that any communication that is going to facilitate a connection of intimacy is by default brave communication because when you expose who you are to someone, they can either accept you and the bonds formed or they can reject you, right? And we do this all the time. We put put little feelers out to people all the time, right? There's studies, sociologist studies of just like how many times uh, people in casual conversation, you put these little hooks out to see um, for connection. We're wired deeply for connection. The more vulnerable it gets, uh, the more brave it requires of, our, of us using our mouths, these God-given gifts, to be able to express what's going inside of us. Um, so, so what is brave communication? It's expressing the truth in love. And I think there's two words to me that probably embody the most, I think everything in between these probably covers what is brave communication. Two words, confession, one, two, confrontation. Who's just getting excited confession and confrontation you know we've been doing these prophetic booths i was thinking we could do like confessional booths we're gonna we actually have screens right back there and i'm gonna sit on the other no i'm just joking um but confession and confrontation these are actually very exciting words and when we engage in both confession and confrontation amazing things happen and it's the only time we actually create through our courage the capacity for true intimacy to be created and that's what we were made for And that is the place, it's this sacred place where the exposing of our brokenness is overcome with the power of love. Love that never fails. That's intimacy, it's love. And there is nothing in hell that can combat love. Nothing. They don't have an answer for it. It's like a sickness that has no cure. When love is being expressed to the people of God, hell just might as well run the other way because there's nothing they can do. There's no weapon. There's no word. There's no lie. There's no attack. There's no scheme. There's nothing. It's just love. They don't know what to do with love. It's like, drop the mic. Love's in the room. Right? So confession and confrontation create spaces and potential where love can happen. And I'm going to describe to you what these actually are. So confession. Um, we all think, when I first talk about confession, we think vulnerable and we go straight to sin. And so I'm going to start there. Uh, James 5.16 tells us to confess our sins to one another and be healed. Right? And so this is vulnerable. It's very vulnerable when you have to confess your sin to another person. Um, and I'm going to speak specifically into the situation where you're confessing your sin to someone that, like, you sinned against them. Right? It, it is vulnerable to confess to somebody, like, to confide in somebody, like, I've sinned, I need you to pray for me. Right? But it's more vulnerable to go and confess when you have sinned against someone themselves. Are you following me? Like, I wronged you. But it says, confess your sins to one another and be healed. And so many times I see people bent up in this, this, like, wisdom that I'm not going to confess what I've done wrong to that person because it might, like, ruin the relationship. It might, like, oh, they don't want to know it. That's dirt. Like, I think it's better how it is right now. It's not true. That's, That's not wisdom. When... You sin against someone, you confess to them and be healed. And this is the truth. Whatever, when you sin against someone, you're actually fracturing intimacy. And whether or not they even know it or withdraw, you already have. Because you have shame now. I know what I did to them. I know the thought I thought about them. I know, I know how I operate. So whether or not they ever know, you've already created separation. And the, and, the, and the intimacy severed, and it will end in a no relationship, one way or another, because sin destroys. The Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. So that's the logic, and the lie is don't. Somehow you're protecting it. Somehow, you know, oh, they don't even know. No, it's, you need to confess your sin. Just real raw, that's what it is. You need to do it, but this is the truth. When we confess our sin to someone, we're giving them an incredible gift, We're giving them the gift of an opportunity where they can choose to extend forgiveness, which is the greatest miracle known to mankind, forgiveness. And forgiveness has a powerful message because when you sin against someone, you hurt them, right? You cause them pain because of your selfishness. But when you confess, you create this space where you've said, I acknowledge this is what I did. They can now forgive, and forgiveness has a powerful message. This is what forgiveness says. It says, even though you hurt me, if they say I forgive you, what they're saying is I value my connection to you more than the pain you caused me. That's why the cross is a revelation of the love of God. I was beaten. I was spit on. I was mocked. I was pierced with nails. I bled a bloody mockery of a death on a Roman cross. But when you come to me, I will forgive you because I love you more. (laughs) (laughs) Woo. Yeah. So when you confess your sins to someone you wronged, you're creating a place where intimacy can actually flourish and you'll realize, you'll have a revelation. Wow, they love me more than I thought they did. And what happens? Intimacy, union, love that never fails, amen? So that's vulnerable confession. Here's the most vulnerable form of confession is when you confess the glory of who you are to one another. Uh, Sometimes accountability has a... (laughs) Accountability. Sometimes I think we have mistranslated that word, and we like, instead of accountability relationships, we do account of disability relationships. (laughs) Hey, will you be my account of disability partner? I need help kind of managing my disability. Can you do my account of disability for me? Like that's seriously, I've had many people, I used to have them. And then I realized I don't like account of disability partnerships. I like accountability partnerships, right? Because accountability has nothing to do with your sin, except for this. Accountability is saying, I need to know who you are. And I'm going to get behind the dreams and the promises and the vision of God on your life. And I'm going to believe with you for the great and mighty things of God. And when I see you doing something stupid over there, and not an account of disability, I'm holding you accountable for who you are. Right? Because I've sowed my life and my prayer and my tears and my passion into your calling. Because you told me in a vulnerability moment, and I believed you. And I took it, I, I'm with you heart and soul. Right? But those relationships don't happen because they're very vulnerable to create. You know the most vulnerable thing you could probably ever do? Go into a closet, go in a prayer closet, and write down all the identity statements of who the Lord calls you to be. Oh, he says that I'm a worshiper after the heart of God. He says, I'm a a man after God's own heart. He says, you know, I have a Davidic call of work. You know, you can just, like, he says the most amazing things about us, right? They make you like, oh, you think that? Seriously? Tell me more, you know, right? We've all had that. Write down. All those things, and, and go tell someone. Go tell someone. This is who God says I am. <laughs> you want to talk about vulnerable? You're like, can I go back to sin? I'll just tell him my sin. I don't want to tell him that. That's that's ooh, That makes me real uncomfortable. Makes me feel like a little kid with his dad's doctor's coat on. You're like, I'm a doctor, right? You're like, it doesn't feel like it, right? You you resonate with that? The most vulnerable thing you can do is you can share the treasure of who you are. You can reveal, this is the glory of God in my life. This is the prophetic promises. This is the things he's called me to do because they're impossible. And when you start confessing those with your mouth to people in relationship, I promise you, you're giving them an opportunity that they can either believe with you and you have this beautiful bond of faith and love. Or they can reject you and they might. They might laugh, that's okay, but that's not the type of friendships you want, right? You want people that are gonna go with you the full distance, the long haul, life on life, to the bitter end, amen? Amen. To me, that's my favorite part of confession. We gotta confess our beliefs, faith speaks. Paul said, I believed and so I spoke. If you believe what the Lord's telling you, speak it and give people the chance to meet you in that place. All right. Is that good for confession? Let's move to a confrontation. I'm gonna read a few verses in Proverbs. So just as you can turn to Proverbs. I'm gonna read like three in the next few minutes. Good old Proverbs. Twenty Proverbs twenty-seven. Alright, Proverbs 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Confrontation is not fun. Can I get an amen? Anybody like it? There are like a few human beings that like it. I'm not one of them. I believe to develop healthy relationship and healthy family, we have to be a people that are not afraid of confrontation. And we have to be a people that pursue it. And this is what confrontation looks like. If you have issue with someone, you go and tell them. You use your mouth and you communicate what's happening. There's a few reasons we don't. First one is this, we don't value our own emotions. We think, oh, you know what? They didn't mean it, da 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 da. And we're actually devaluing who we are. We're actually saying, no, my heart's not that important. And we shut down our own emotions for the sake of them. And this is how we develop a codependent ecosystem, where we start having these um, dysfunctional dynamics where the person, because if someone does something to you one time, it's on them. If they do it twice and you didn't tell them, it's on you. Because if someone does something to you that rubs you the wrong way or hurts you and you don't tell them, you're you're you are speaking by default and you're saying what you did is great. And so many times I see this, people I so I meet with people all the time. They tell me this dynamic, oh da-da-da, but they don't use their mouths and speak. So first one, we, we undervalue our own emotions. We don't value our own hearts. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You can only love your neighbor with the love that you love yourself with. You don't cherish your own heart and cherish your own soul. How are you going to cherish the world? Right? Jesus gives us permission to love ourselves very well. Second reason that we don't confront people is that we're afraid. We're afraid of what people think. Um, Passivity... You know, I've, I've made this correlation recently in my life because the Lord's been challenging me, specifically in the area of confrontation. And I've realized that there is this passivity that that wants to rise up in me a lot of times in the arena of confrontation because it's like I'd rather just not deal with it, right? It's like, oh, can I just find a way to shove that down so that I don't have to deal with it because it wrecks my day, right? i got to think about it. i got to pray about it. i got to deal with all my stuff. I don't want to. I'd rather just go on with my day. I got lots of plans, lots of things to do, right? Anybody been there? Okay, I'm glad you said yeah. I was going to say you're lying if you're not. Um, but I've realized that that passivity is actually the fruit of fear of man. The reason I don't want to deal with it is because I'm afraid of what's going to happen. Is connection on the other side or is it going to be a blow up? then you start rolling in all your minds all the times things go wrong da 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 right and we actually let fear shut us down and silence our mouths and we just kind of let things go and just maintain status quo and it's fine for a week fine for a month fine for a year maybe fine for 5 years but everything comes to the surface jesus says what is hidden will become manifest on the rooftops what's whispered in secret will be heard on the rooftops like nothing's hidden it's an inside out kingdom it might look Like it's okay for a while, but the kingdom of God is like a peck of leaven that got into flour and then it rose and the whole dough became leavened. Jesus also says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. So this judgment, religiosity, it's like leaven and it will get in and get the whole dough. There's something about spirituality that's like leaven. So, okay, this bad thing, whatever happens, I should have talked, but I didn't. Oh, it's okay. We're all good. No, there's leaven. And pretty soon that leaven's going to rise and it's going to infect things. You following me? We don't want unhealthy dysfunction. We want healthy relationships. And so we can't be afraid. We have to have the courage to give people the gift of godly confrontation, which is operating under the assumption that faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes the most loving thing you could do in the whole world would be to go someone and speak the truth in love. Because we have blind spots. Who has seen somebody they know operating in a blind spot in the last month? Are your eyes open? <laughs> it's all the time, right? How many people have had a revelation of your blind spot before and you're like, oh, dang. Yeah, yeah I've had like a lot of them. <laughs> that was like my whole college, actually. Whoa, I'm that blind. Whoa, I'm that blind! whoa how was i so blind right and how i wish i would have had some people but the problem was i wasn't very open to letting people share with me but the point is is that we need people in our lives we need each other we need relationships to unveil to reveal the message of our lives and we have junk we're we're we only see our own perspectives and the people around us are gifts from God who see it and love us and have your back. And if someone, the, if we have to have the courage to speak the truth in love. We have to have the courage. We can't sit and just be content with mediocrity because we don't want mediocrity. We want the fullness of Jesus Christ in his church. Amen. We wanna grow up in all aspects in the love. We wanna be a splendid, splendor, sp- 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 something wonderful bride right, (laughs) that I can't communicate, right, and nobody will, I'll be like, what is that, that's crazy, that's so beautiful, they love, right, it happens in these moments, faithful are the wound of a friend, I want to flip it real quick to the other side, which is, we have to be, and and this is an art, this is like an art form that you have to learn how to confront well, it's not about, you know, you got, that'll be another sermon, let my mom talk about it, she's better than me, um, Flip it, though, on the other side is we have to be able to receive confrontation as well. If you're going to give it, you better be able to receive it. And so many people, including myself, I've I've learned, I've had to learn this over a lot of times, a lot of people not being happy with me and a lot of confrontational circumstances where I realized my natural response was to put the porcupine needles out. Boom! Don't talk to me like that, right? And it was like, I'm listening, but boom! Mm, You know, you're just like, mm, 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 no, no, not getting in here. (laughs) These ears are shut, right? I am not listening. I'm acting like I am, but I'm not, right? (laughs) Just defense mechanisms. You know what defense mechanisms are birthed from? Fear. So if you're really defensive in a confrontational setting, you know you have work to do. It's not shame, not blame, not condemnation. It's just the Lord saying, hey, work right here. Here's where I'm working. Here's where I'm working. If you want to know, are you free of fear? How do you handle confrontation? Are your defense mechanism down? And this is—I'm just going to offer some practical insights that I've gotten in this journey of trying to, you know, learn from people. But uh, Proverbs 17:10 says this: A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred lashes into the back of a fool. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred lashes into the back of a fool. It goes deeper into a man of understanding because a man of understanding recognizes that if someone's coming to me in the vulnerability of godly confrontation, that's not easy. I need to understand what they're trying to say. And a man of understanding, a woman of understanding, ask questions. Okay, let's talk. And I, I, I'm speaking from my own experience. Um, I will begin, and this is where I always try to go. And this is the flip side. If you're giving confrontation or receiving it, always ground it in real life. So people say, okay, I feel da 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 And this is the question I always ask. Okay, can you give me specific examples of where you've seen this? And they'll go through them, because then I can ground it, then I can look. Okay. You know, and I start, and I start processing. And this is, my, this is my natural response. This is not my natural response. This is my learned response is I'll ask the questions, they'll ground it, and then I will take it and I will go before the Lord. I say, I'm going to pray about this. And I do, faithfully. This is what I've learned. Almost 100% of the time, you have something to learn. From the experience, it may not be what the person was trying to communicate. Like, you may not agree with their communicating, but it's like the Lord will use that still to highlight something else that needed it. And you're like, okay, yeah, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I see this, and it pointed to this. Does that make sense? It's kind of like a. It's like a, I don't even know. I was, my mind, I didn't get, I lost the word. But you know what I'm talking about. It's associated to like what was actually being communicated. It's not what was being communicated, but the Lord still had something to teach to me. Almost 100% of the time, I always find that I have something to learn about me that I need to grow um, from when someone comes to me in this posture. There There are exceptions though. There are times when I've gone and prayed and the Lord said, no, this is about them. It's not about you. And he says, let it go. And I've had to learn to just let it go. Don't own it. Don't own what's not yours to own. You know, we can do that sometimes too. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't own it unless it's true. Go before the Lord. Listen. Seek to understand. Ask questions. When people are saying things to you, and a lot of times there will be a lot of emotion because there's pain involved in these, say it back. So what I hear you saying is this, and then verbalize it back to them. And they'll say, yeah. Okay, that is it. Or no, let me say it a different way, right? Get until you know, you're understanding the perspective that they're coming from because they're giving you a gift, right? They're giving you faithful the wounds of a friend. Love never fails. They're coming because they don't want, they're trying to reveal the message of God on your life. They're not trying to kill you. They're not trying to hurt you. They're not trying to harm you. They're trying to reveal, hey, I love you and I see this, Right? Proverbs 1.5 says, the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtains guidance. The wise hear and increase in learning. The one who understand and the one who understands obtains guidance. These are such guiding experiences of our lives. When we get into the heart of it, it's like God comes and he shines a light on a place you didn't see, and you were blind, and your eyes get open, and it hurts, it hurts but then it heals. Because when someone comes as a friend and not an adversary, it creates a capacity for love. And you realize, oh, you love me enough to come to me to tell me that, yeah, because I believe in you. I'm holding you accountable to who you are, right? And we need each other. We can't do it alone. I need people in my life. I'm not speaking as an other in this situation. We need each other. This is healthy family. It's how healthy family communicates. So we need to be aware and engage, and, and I believe. I believe that, Lord, you know there's people in your life that you're going to be like, I, yeah, I need to have a hard conversation with them. Um, but this is probably the, the last nugget that I really I want to close in is there's a gift in pertaining to confrontation. There's a gift that you can give people, and the gift is this. Let give people the gift of always being secure and knowing where you're at with them. There was a relationship in my life that was honestly extremely strained and very painful and a lot, like a lot of confrontation. And on my end, a lot of bad confrontation. A lot where I learned how not to do confrontation. But I remember after like a number of years, looked at me and said, you know, even though it's been rough, said, I can always tell you I've always known where I'm at with you, Jordan. It's because I know you tell me even when you're frustrated, even when you're mad as hell, excuse the language, I know where you're at with me. And he's like, thank you. And that is a gift that I, I try to give the people that have a relationship in my life, is that if I haven't told you something that I'm frustrated about, then I'm not. If I haven't told you, if I haven't confronted you about something, then you know where you're at with me, we're good. And that is such a precious gift that removes fear, it removes the questions, removes having to lay in bed, oh, what are they thinking, Da da da, da. because they, you, they know. And when you're frustrated, hey, you're gonna know that too, because I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna use my mouth to speak the truth in love, because we are powerful people, and language is the most powerful thing we've been given. It's why when the Lord thwarted the Tower of Babel, he divided their tongues, because he knew mankind with a unified language and intimacy and union can do amazing things, and they were not living for God at the time. But now his church is his people. He needs a speaking unified, unified and that comes from language that comes from communication comes from look i'm going to give you the gift i'm going to tell you where i'm at i'm going to speak to you i'm going to tell you when i'm upset i'm going to tell you when i'm at i'm going to tell you what i see and i might be wrong but we're going to learn how to have this healthy confrontation so that god can can form his son in us through the process yeah. amen yeah. okay we're gonna end in-